today in my reflection I'm going to be talking about the, the Apostle Paul. Now Paul had two names so to avoid any confusion I'm going to mostly call him Paul although my, a few souls might pop out of it. The Ephesian reading is one of the numerous prayers that scattered throughout Paul's letters. Prayer was an important part of Paul's life. He prayed because God was the centre of his universe. In 1 Theologian chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, Paul simply writes, Pray continually and give thanks whatever happens. It's as simple as that. Pray continually and give thanks whatever happens. A fair bit is known about the life of Paul. He was born in the city of Tarsus, which is in southeastern modern Turkey. The city snowballed no more as it was destroyed in a flood and little remains today, only a few ruins. The city was at crossroads of trading routes. It was noted for its strategic importance and was a cosmopolitan city of culture, politics and philosophy. Paul's family were Roman citizens as Tarsus was part of the Roman Empire. Paul was born to a Jewish family who were strict Pharisees, the family of the tent makers, a trade which Paul engaged while he was on his first visit to Ephesus. The Pharisees engaged in oral traditions of the Torah, the Torah or the Torah, which was the first five books of the Old Testament, the books of law. The modern, modern Christians see Pharisees as being legalistic and hypocritical. And Paul was a precocious child reading the Torah at the young age. He enjoyed rehearing stories of his ancestors. His father taught him about the Torah and to hate the Goyim, that is anybody who wasn't a Jew. He, of course, would have looked forward to all those Jewish festivals, the, tab of the tabernacle, the day of Pentecost and Passover. The family were strict adherents of Jewish practices and oral laws and saw this, this side as being driven by his violent zeal. He could speak Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic and Latin and was familiar with the works of Plato and Aristotle. And he fervently believed one day God will return in all his glory. So let's talk about Paul's conversion. Paul has spent time in Jerusalem and was sent by the chief rabbi to Jerusalem, from, from Jerusalem to Damascus, to arrest Christians and take them back to Jerusalem, where they would be questioned and perhaps executed. So what happened on the road to Damascus? What happened to Paul? In Acts 9, chapters 3 to 6, it says, So Saul headed towards Damascus, and as he came near the city, a blinding light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. He fell off his horse to the ground and a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And the voice answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city. Someone there will tell you what to do. Paul had been blinded by the vision. He had had, he had, had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Paul was taken stone blind to a lodging in the city where he stayed, shot, stunned for three days. He didn't eat, drink, and all he could do was, was to what he knew best, that is to pray. On the third day, a small group of Christians knocked on Paul's door. Their leader, Ananias, who had also had a vision of Jesus, that told him he should go and lay hands on Paul and pray for him. 
And the Greek, the Greek would have had a great deal of fear and trepidation to go to court. Why were they walking into a trap? After all, Paul was in Damascus to arrest them and take them back to Jerusalem where, he would be where they would be questioned, possibly executed. How could Paul do a 180 degree turn, going from a zealous persecutor of Christians to zealously proclaiming God? This about turn would have confused his followers and especially the Christians. So what happened on the road? How did this happen? Perhaps Paul was deep in prayerful meditation, praying from the Shema. Hear, O Rizlo, for the Lord our God is the one, the Lord is one. Saying the prayer is a mantra. Now Paul's change, changed the name from Saul happened much later, rather than at the time of his conversion. It happened perhaps while he's on Cyprus, where he's on one, his first voyage, and the names are interchangeable. Paul went on four missionary journeys, visiting many places around the eastern Mediterranean, visiting Greece, Turkey, and Italy. And his journeys went from Jerusalem up to Antioch, over to Philippi, down to Corinth, and finally over to Rome, but not necessary in that order. We do, know, we do not know how many Paul churches Paul established on his journey. It could have been up to 20. His, his many letters are certainly meant to encourage the new churches. So what sort of man was Paul? Well, he is highly in, intelligent, an itinerant preacher, a great traveller, well-educated, an energetic man who was fluent in several languages. He was a man of short stature but created a giant impact. He went to prison two or three times, survived assassination attempts, and let's not forget his four journeys, which could cause riots when the silversmiths in the temple of Artemis rioted because they, the populace would stop buying their silver images of the goddess Artemis. He was highly intelligent, a great talker, multilingual, persistent, patient, courageous, nimble, uncompromising, accommodating, ethical, and forgiving. He was born around about 5 to 10 AD and died in year about the year 64 when he was executed by the, in, while in prison in Rome. So what is Paul's legacy? After Jesus, Paul is the second most important person in the Bible. He's attributed to writing 13 of the 28 books of the New Testament, although that number is disputed and open to, to debate. But let us take up only 250 pages of a Bible I like to read, which is about 1,400 pages long. <coughs> Where am I? So let, let's... The le Paul's letters are short but powerful. They are compelling today as they were when they were written in the first century, much loved and debated about. The letters have, a, have, had a have had a dynamic effect upon us. Much has been written by, about them by theologians and scholars and preached about by ministers and lay people. So if you want to put Paul's letters in perspective, they would only fill a book this size. And you, those who did the small group will recognise Tom Wright's book, Surprised by Scripture. They had Paul's... They are relevant today as they were in the written in the first century. He made it, Paul made an impact as a scholar, an apostle, a letter writer. 
Paul the Apostle expanded the church far and wide, flinging open the doors to Gentiles, strenuously fighting his conviction that the Gospels were for all people. No barriers should put up for Gentiles. And we could debate where Paul was a sexist. Probably, probably, particularly when he says women should keep silent. Women should cover their heads. Women should not teach men. Well, maybe. Remember Paul was brought up in a very patriarchal society. And that view would reflect the times in which Paul lived. They certainly are not reflected in modern day New Zealand. Modern day theologian Professor Tom Wright considers Paul to be one of the great thinkers, ranking up there with Plato, Aristotle. Tom Wright is one of the leading biblical scholars and he's a professor of New Testament studies at St Andrews University in, Sc in Scotland and has written a number of books on theology and you can also see Tom talking on YouTube. And I'd recommend Tom Wright's book, Paul, it's a bio biography and you can get it from the library. So in conclusion, I believe that Paul, after Jesus, was the most important sh shepherd of them all. So, amen. So we'll have our, what hymn would be more appropriate that fit than talk, after talking about Paul than the church with one foundation?
The the reading is from Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, as we've heard before, the sheep and the goats. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people, one from another, as as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did, For one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Amen. Thank you, Prue. (coughs) In this reading from Matthew 25, we are called to connect with and help people in need. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Just as you did it to one of these who were members of my family, you did it to me. So we cannot shut our eyes, block our ears or close our hearts to those in need. More may hang on our acts of charity than we realise. The reading really highlighted to me how important it is for us to keep up the donations and outreaches we already do here at JUC and to look for other ways we can help others less fortunate than ourselves. Each week we bring our offerings of money, food and household (coughs) goods to help support our church and the wider community. Our two local food banks have an ever-increasing demand for their precious resources and are very thankful for the goods donated through churches, supermarket collection bins, and monetary donations such as those made by JUC through the Mission and Community Committee, which is soon to be called the Public Witness and Social Justice Committee. (coughs) 
Donations of clothing, etc., to the op shop helps many families in our community who could not otherwise afford the clothing. JUC provides our share of volunteers to work in the shop and there's a benefit to JUC from these clothing donations as we receive a proportion of the monthly banking which we are then able to reuse for the benefit of the local community by donating back to the food banks, etc. Recently on our first Neighbours Day barbecue, we did not get to meet as many locals as we were hoping for, but we're planning to have similar events in the future to provide a non-threatening, welcoming place where strangers and friends alike can come, share food, talk and feel safe. Our donations to the Hamza appeal have helped change his life overseas and also the attitudes of those around him. The ongoing appeal has provided a wheelchair, medical assistance, and has helped show his village that he is equally deserving of their care and support. Even the knitted slippers we make for school children and through into hospitals, and the filling of Christmas boxes for children in far off lands are more examples of how we reach out and help those less fortunate. And I'm sure you can think of more ways that we do make a difference in other people's lives. So are you a sheep or a goat? Moving on to my next section. Another aspect of the reading that set me thinking was, in Matthew 25, verse 32, it says, Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Is it strange that humans are likened to sheep and goats in the Bible? Not so much when I thought about it. Sheep have no sense of direction. They will follow the sheep in front of them and do whatever they do, jumping over obstacles that don't exist, even jumping off a cliff. I, for one, also have a poor sense of direction, as Dennis will confirm. <laughs> Coming out of a shopping centre, I will invariably turn in the wrong direction. Dennis just stands and waits till I reorientate and join him going the right way. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to their own way. Sheep are defenceless on their own. They will cry up together for protection and a ewe will kick out if her lambs are being threatened. Likewise, we can run and kick, but pretty much are defenceless on our own. We need others to come to our aid and we need God's protection and to stick together as Christians. Matthew 9 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep cannot get up without help. If you've ever seen how helpless a cast sheep is once they're on their back with their legs in the air, you know that unless the shepherd comes along and lifts it back, helps it back upright, its future is not good. In human terms, this happens to all of us at some stage. We get ourselves in a deep rut and often cannot see which way is up until someone lends a helping hand and gives a listening ear to help get us on our feet again. Isaiah 40 says, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms. Sheep apparently build friendships with other sheep and stick up for each other when in trouble. They get anxious, distressed and sad when separated from other sheep. They run away from strangers but always recognise their shepherd's voice. I think we could learn a lot from sheep as we're not always as loyal and supportive as we could be when people we know are in trouble. We often struggle to hear our shepherd's voice 
in what he is telling us. We need to stop and listen. John 10 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Sheep are not meant to carry burdens. Other animals are good for carrying loads, but not sheep. In fact, they could be crushed under a heavy load. Similarly, we're not meant to carry our burdens alone. We are told to take them to the Lord. Psalm 55 says, Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. Sheep will settle for less. When sheep are thirsty, they will drink from the nearest dirty puddle in front of them rather than going on to the clean water ahead of them. So long as it satisfies them at that moment, that's all that matters. And we also often take the easiest option, whether it's bad diet, lazy lifestyle, getting further into debt just to satisfy what we want now, rather than thinking longer term and making better choices. Psalm 23 tells us, The Lord is my shepherd and I'll not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Sheep are valuable. They're a prized possession and the owner of large flocks of sheep were considered wealthy as sheep provide meat, milk, wool and offspring. Shepherds made many sacrifices to be on guard for their sheep. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us because he loved us so much. He died on the cross so we would live with him forever. John 1 says, The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And lastly, sheep cannot take care of themselves when wounded. They do not lick their wounds like other animals. They need a shepherd to tend their injuries and look after them until they're well again. How many times have we been wounded emotionally or physically, but have not opened ourselves to God's healing touch? Psalm 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. So in the Bible, sheep represent purity and innocence, whereas goats represent destruction and evil. Jesus prophesied in the New Testament that the sheep, that is the compassionate, will sit on God's right hand and find salvation, and the goats, the hard-hearted, will sit on the left and be sent to damnation. We are meant to live our lives as lambs, pure and righteous, not as goats who are strong-willed and stubborn. Jesus calls us to be compassionate, not hard-hearted towards those in need. Judge not that you be not judged, from Matthew 7. Do to others as you would have them do to you, from Luke 6. And also love your neighbour as yourself, from Luke 10. I came to the conclusion that people have a lot in common with sheep, but I think there are also a lot of goats out there as well. I'm sure a few will spring to mind. We'll now have the prayers of the people. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for this new day, for our families and friends. Thank you for our amazing country, Aotearoa, New Zealand, and for the privilege to be living in a safe and politically stable land. Thank you for our friendly church family here at JUC, and for Liani and Edward, who have been the answer to our prayers. We have so much to be thankful for but know that there are so many people in this world who are in need. May we be others-focused and in tune to your spirit so that we can help those who are hurting. We ask that you bless them, help them, heal them, 
May your peace fill their hearts and may joy shine. Give us eyes to see them, Lord. Help us not to be selfish, to share their, our resources and be a blessing to them. Lord, you are the good shepherd and we are your sheep. We come in all shapes and sizes, all colours, personalities, quirks and possibilities. In your generous welcome, you open your, the gates of your church so all can gather in and know your love. You see our need and respond with compassion. You reach out and we are healed. You speak and we must listen and follow your voice. Amen. <laughs>